I'm a great story. You sh- well, you should get to your story faster and stop teasing me like this. <laughs> Holy crap! Stop teasing you. I you, you took I both sides. You like changed your mind halfway through your. <laughs> you're, you're arguing with yourself, man. You're listening to episode 147 of PHP Ugly, the premiere ugly podcast on the what? internet. <laughs> this is I'm it. Tom Rideout. He's literally stealing our intro from our other show. <laughs> With me, as always, is John Congdon. Oh man, that was rough. This, see, this is why we don't let you do the intro. Just saying. Oh, I was supposed to say hello, hello. And in the big office, Eric Van Johnson. How's everybody doing? He's been happy to be back. back all day. We've been we took a week off because of you know unfortunate circumstances. John didn't pay his internet bill. And I, I, back now. I didn't realize you were supposed to pay that. I thought they just sent you paper to draw on. <laughs> this isn't your landscaper. You don't wait for them to. Send. <laughs> We decide to pay him. <laughs> oh, that's an inside joke. Sorry, didn't do inside jokes here. It, it doesn't have All to right. be that inside, but uh. who, who is jazz? This has got to be my favorite time of year. Absolute favorite. I I was so psyched to talk about it last week, but then we didn't have a show. But if you didn't know. Last week was season opener for minor league baseball. The week before that was the season opener for major league baseball. Right now, this is like this is like Thor the Dark World, where like all those realms line up at a certain time of year. That's what's happened here in, in the U.S. All the realms have lined up. Right and now I got to put up with this at the office. Right now you have professional baseball, major league and minor league. Which, yes, John has been privy to, to watch a few games. We have professional basketball. We, uh, we even have... Um, well, professional we have ultimate. Professional, we have professional hockey going. So those, those things right there, I mean, it's like every, every night of the week, there's something to watch on television, something good to watch on television. Then you even have um, a new professional... American League football, so it's not that fake no, football. No, already, no, already, already closed. That that's already shut down. Oh, is it already done? Yeah. Oh, I thought they had like two or three more weeks. They they were supposed to. They they cut it early. They they already folded the league. Like the yeah. league is. Yeah. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that's disappointing. Well, anyways. That uh, was that was unusual. Anyways, you, you, we have professional baseball, professional uh, hockey, professional basketball, all going on at the same time. Professional ultimate. I went to the opening last weekend. It's not a real you, sport. You weren't you weren't kidding. You really could do this podcast without me this week. Oh my god! It is so awesome. It is so awesome. We had oh, profe- we had professional racquetball today. We had. <laughs> we had <laughs> Definitely some. Okay, that's not pain. a thing. Definitely not a thing. John <laughs> uh, got me back on the racquetball court after a month of uh, relaxation. Man, 
that your, was painful. Your knee was killing you. We took a couple weeks mm-hmm. off for that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's going to be killing you again tomorrow. Uh, yep. Yep. How's everybody doing? Anybody? I mean, like, Thomas, we literally haven't spoken in two weeks. What, what have you been up to? We have uh, it's, gotten a request it's been a little nuts. from listeners. We have gotten a request from listeners to at least try to include some development talk, some coding talk, ideally PHP discussion in every show. So that has to be our goal moving forward because all three listeners, we heard from all three of them, they said the same thing. Well, you might remember uh, last month my meetup was canceled because of the bomb cyclone that hit Colorado. So that got pushed, uh, pushed back a month to yesterday, mm-hmm. the day that the second bomb cyclone of the year hit Colorado. Your, your presentation? So, yeah. <laughs> oh, zinger! So my presentation has now been delayed by two months, Wait a and minute. I will be giving what my presentation is- next month. What happened? What happened yesterday? Because I saw pictures posted from you of trivia night, and it looked pretty calm to me. That was Tuesday. Oh, I, 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 it just came across my Facebook. So, yeah, uh, Tuesday was beautiful. Uh, nice, like eighty-three degrees, eighty-two degrees outside in the evening. Um, really wonderful all day, uh, and then it dipped down later that night to about 10 degrees and it just sort of stayed that way all through Wednesday snowing wind up to 50 miles an hour uh, lots of places closed early school got out two hours early so you have snow on the ground right now nope no today was nice and warm uh, all the snow melted uh, it, it wait, actually wait snowed a... today wait. while the snow was melting and it melted before it hit the ground so they you call that see rain. It snowing, right. but there was no accumulation. Okay. Listen, you guys live in Colorado. I I find it hard to believe it snowed so hard yesterday that you guys couldn't get to your meetup. The issue is the the combination of a sudden snow which builds up ice and the high winds which push cars off the road on the ice. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's a matter of of everything happening too quickly at once and not getting dealt with. Um, yeah, it was it was dangerous to drive. I mean, you could see that you could see the the roads frosting over mm-hmm. and turning into giant blocks of ice. And having driven in that a couple times before, it's it's very very unpleasant. Just buy yourself a zamboni, you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, I can get to school the next day. It's a swift two miles an hour. So we're talking about your GraphQL presentation? Well, so now I have just the nicest, most polished presentation, plus a, a whole code base to demonstrate it, written in React with Apollo and Laravel and uh, Tailwinds. And I'm I'm it, learning all it, sorts of stuff about React. It's awesome. Well, the first thing we need to learn is it's tailwind. There's not multiple winds. It's tailwind. It's tailwind CSS. All right, tailwind CSS. 
So, you know, learning all the uh, WebKit mm-hmm. stuff that we've never jumped on at my office, uh, learning a lot of this Webpack. ins and outs of ESSIS. Yeah, Webpack, sorry. It's <clears throat> It's been really, really nice to take on something wholly new and unique, but there have been a lot of, like, caveats. You know, uh, React is stateful. React knows what it's doing, and it's always running on the client. It's always checking for a change in state and responding to it. Um, so I couldn't it, figure it, out how to get no, something it's not, to it's redirect. Not, it's not responding to it. It's reacting to it. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Nothing? <laughs> Oh, I, I, I think I think uh, I think the whole uh, naming of the framework is just kind of coming <laughs> on to him. You know, he's just kind of getting his head around. It. You blew his mind there, John. You blew his mind. Sorry, Thomas. Go ahead. So, apology accepted. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, I I had an issue where I wanted a form to redirect somewhere else when it was submitted, but I couldn't figure out. If the form was already rendered, how do I change the contents of the rendered portion? And I was like, oh, well, you you can put in your render statement, you can put, if this is submitted, then do something else, and it'll run because it's always rendering. It's always checking the state and comparing mm-hmm. it to the updated state values. And it's just it's a way of thinking that I, I'm not used to for programming, uh, and I'm really enjoying picking it up piece by piece. Um, but now, yeah, I've, I've got I've got a nice little presentation together and I've got a functional blog that you can create posts and comments and all of that's being done through uh, GraphQL. And, and you got a whole month to add to it. Look at that. Which I will. I'm going to add authentication, validation, and a little bit more streamlining on the commenting system. You need to submit to some conferences, Thomas. GraphQL is all the rage, man. I I don't think I'm in a position where I'm confident enough with my knowledge of GraphQL where you could ask me a question and I could give you an answer. I mean, React definitely not. I couldn't I couldn't teach somebody React, but I, I'm getting better at GraphQL. It's just that there are GraphQL is just a standard, so a lot of my conversation in the beginning of it, the presentation is what the standard is. But then when you want to show something, you have to pick somebody's implementation and that's the implementation you're showing. And that's going to be a little bit different. It's going to have, I mean, one example is that the GraphQL language does not dictate that JSON returns are, are required. It doesn't say it has to be JSON when you're returning it. It could be anything returned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now everyone uses JSON because, of course, that's what you would use. But, you know, when I pick an implementation to show off, it's going to be different than the specification in some way. So, and, and above- so you you said you implemented Lighthouse, which is the one I had done. Uh, that's the package that comes with uh, with Laravel. Well, it doesn't come with Laravel. It's a package designed to to run in Laravel. Um, I yeah. thought it'd be very easy to implement. What were your What were your thoughts? It's very very easy to implement uh, once you 
understand how the directives work, how the relationship with models work, and how the resolution, the query resolution works. Um, and then the latest version of Lighthouse has a builder function, so you can build, you can say app GraphQL query, and it will make a new query or mutation or a new type. So it's it's been really slick to implement. Now, my issue is that all of these directives that are defined in Lighthouse are not clearly specified in the GraphQL config file for <laughs> PHP Storm. So PHP Storm is constantly complaining, I don't know what that directive means. I hope your endpoint does. Well, that's the problem I have. You mentioned Tailwind as well, which I'm really starting to embrace as somebody who doesn't do a lot of front-end development and the little bit i do do i'm horrible at tailwind is kind of the first you said doo -doo. I... <laughs> Tailwind is the first time i picked something up and been able to manipulate things enough to, to kind of like if i had I, I did it for one of our clients where i mocked up a um version of their website in tailwind and because i had colors because i had layouts you know, I could I could manipulate things using Tailwind to kind of match what what they were using. Um, but same thing, uh, PHP Storm just barks about it the whole time. What did did you really dive very deeply into Tailwind, or did you just brush over it? Uh, I really brushed over it. I mean, it's there's not a lot to deep dive into it. It uh, mm -hmm. it's basically a JavaScript program that. Uh, takes some pre-compiled definitions and writes them into a from a SAS file into a CSS file. So it's not doing a whole lot of really magical stuff. It's well, just that but, but the, it's very different than Bootstrap. It's a very different approach. I wouldn't know that. I don't know Bootstrap either. Okay. Well, it's very different. It's a very different approach. I, it's safe to say that that messing with Tailwinds is my first time ever messing with CSS beyond just a cursory introduction to the syntax. Mm -hmm. I do not do design, and I, I chose Tailwinds because I've seen a lot of what it can do out of the box with just like, I want it to be rounded, so now it's rounded, and I want it to be a different state when you click on it right. or hover over it. Like, it's, it's real simple and pretty right out of the box. That's the big thing. It's like, you're not, like with Bootstrap, you know, you create these these button classes where you say, okay, you know, button button is this, and, and you define all the CSS stuff. And with Tailwind, it's a little bit of a different approach. Um, but I'm liking it. We're, we're using it. We're using it on a project we're working on now. And I'm a little nervous about it. And even our developers, uh, who are who are mainly focused on the front end, their their first go around with Tailwind was just flat out resistance. I mean, they were like, oh, we can't, we can't build with this. Um, I think it's called a utility first uh, framework or something is, is how they refer to it. And uh, yeah. they, uh, the, the, our, our, our developers were just like, nope, can't do it. You know, let us use Bootstrap. Let us use Bowman. You know, they, they were, they wanted to use these existing CSS frameworks that are out there. And, uh, you know, I'm like, nope. Yeah, I, I really think the Tailwind's going to give us more flexibility. Um, and again, I was basing a lot of this on the fact of I saw what I developed with it. I'm like, as bad as I am at this, if I can do what I did, 
what you guys should be able to do with it should blow me out of the water. Now, they've kind of gotten their head around it a little bit. They're, they're embracing it a little bit more. Um, able to turn out pages really quick now, so I'm real happy about that. But Tailwind just got its first official release of uh, 1.0 art. It may not even be released yet. It, it might still I, be in beta. No, it is. It's it's 1.0 now. Oh, okay. All right. I, 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 know it, I know it's like real real fresh. Like it was. Oh, I'm sorry. Out. There's a beta here. It's beta. Okay, it's still in beta. It's, it's You'll have to excuse me. Like, I'm used to projects that just shoot out 1.0, 1.01, 1.02, 1.03 <laughs> day after day. I'm not used to a beta thing. <laughs> you you understand Google is constantly in beta, right? Like every product they release is always beta. Oh yeah. yeah. Gmail was in beta for what ten years before they finally removed the beta flag off of it. So, so cool. So, cool. Th- uh, Thomas what you... good. Nope, you go ahead. No, I was gonna say Thomas mentioned his meetup, so I was gonna move on, but if he had something more about Tailwind, I was letting you go back to that. Well, Tailwind is, has just sort of been an afterthought to the whole thing. You know, what I'm throwing together doesn't look very good even using Tailwind. The The thing for me is Apollo. Um, if you're using React or Vue or I, whatever the other one is, boy. Angular? What's, what's, yeah, Angular. And you want to interact with GraphQL, then Apollo is the way to go. Oh, Apollo um, works with Vue as well, huh? Uh, yeah, so uh, Angular, Vue, Meteor, Ember, Polymer, Lit Apollo, uh, native in iOS with Swift, and native Android with Java. Interesting. Going to, I'm going to take a look at that. It's generally the same JSX-style language everywhere as far as I've seen, uh, but it is just... It is complicated. It's a totally different way of thinking about things, but it's so nice and so readable when you start getting into it and you you understand what it's doing. Um, you know, you have to contain, like, if you have a mutation, which is the effectively a, an update or an insert, you can wrap a whole form with the mutation query, and it will parse out what the inputs on the form are, what the validations for the query are. Uh, and what all the endpoints and et cetera are for it. And when you hit submit, it just sends the submit straight from the form to React to Apollo. And then Apollo does the magic with GraphQL, sends back to React, and then shows the form successful or failure. You know, it it does a lot of uh, hard work behind the scenes for you that's just sort of monotonous work, not magic work. So that's that's my thought. I, the, the the really interesting thing I've been playing with is Apollo. Not necessarily Tailwind or React, but Apollo is very very interesting. Do, and it's Do you see yourself using GraphQL uh on a professional project anytime soon? Oh, absolutely. Um I, I still need to get more familiar with the all of the directives that are available. Um you know, writing uh an order by in your query is somewhat harder. Uh, but having did, finally got, did you got get around to, to doing authorization? Not yet. 
but it's pretty simple. Uh, you do authorization on the client side and the server side so that the client doesn't try to do something it can't do. And then on the server side, because of Lighthouse, you just say at auth, and it requires authentication through the standard Laravel middleware. Mm -hmm. So I'm anticipating doing it, but it shouldn't be too hard. So John, you're going to you're going to carry on with uh, meetups. Yeah, <clears throat> I was just going to mention that we had SDPHP last night, and it went really well. We had a an oddity. We had more people show up than RSVP. Oh, that is so weird. That is unusual. <laughs> Especially since we knew at least one of the RSVPs wasn't going to show up anyway. So I was already anticipating less than our normal, like, 50%. So, uh, Our own Marcus Moore did a talk on uh, BHAT, doing BDD testing. And it really got me back in on that mode of I really need to start testing this way, even though I'm using Codeception instead of Behat. So I started uh, tinkering around with that again today. Yeah, I know he's been using Behat. Uh, I'm working on a project with him, and he introduced Behat. And in the the the, I'm not sure what he went into with his presentation, but. Uh, the idea behind the BHAT implementation, our, our team had been doing unit testing and having a, a good amount of success with it, um, was real happy with it. But we realized that uh, handing that off to the client um, still left the client bewildered as to, as to what exactly was being tested and also was ma made it difficult for the for the client to articulate to us what they wanted tested. So uh, we, you know, started playing around with the idea of introducing him to BHAT and more specifically the Gherkin language, the Gherkin syntax, and uh, handed it off to them. And I mean, we we got some pretty good results from it. Um, they they basically wrote some of the tests for us. Uh, we were able to implement those tests, and not not that we've made a huge deal out of it, but if it ever comes to it, we can go to the client and say, you know, you can actually look at the test at, and they can understand what, or have an idea of what's being tested. So that, it was That was the big nice. thing was, was the requirements, was making sure we were building what they wanted. No more of this mm -hmm. guessing or having it be something that was said in a phone call. It could be write out this, these, these test scenarios or these stories and take it back to them and get, basically a sign off on that yeah and it, and getting them to write them up front is even better it's like no you told us this is what you wanted you didn't just sign off on it <laughs> now have you you said stories have you guys heard of a product called storybook no uh, a individual i mean behat has the concept of storybooks but not as the individual concept or individual product i i really want to get into this it's it was a little late for me to get this implemented in my environment but it allows you to essentially inspect every element of a a react or view or angular project at, by its 
method name or by its property or anything like that. So when you load it into a project, it scans everything and says, well, here's here's a page where you can start just laying stuff out and looking at it and seeing how it reacts when you do something. Um, I, was, I really wish oh, I knew really somebody weird. who was into this because it's it's a fascinating project. Hmm. Yeah, Storybook.js.org? Uh, yes, it is. Interesting. Make sure, you, make sure you throw that in the show notes. Yeah, if there's someone out there who's who's familiar with Storybook and wants to uh, tutor me through the whole thing, <laughs> uh, that's it's my next my next self learning project is definitely going to be this because I'd love to be able to inspect an entire project from a sort of bird's eye view. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, um, I got some coding sort of stuff to talk about, if you guys are interested. Um, nope, not at all. Okay, move on. <laughs> Just kidding. Eric, what have you got going on? Nope. Nope, nope. The See, he insisted he was going to carry the show. I didn't realize it was just going to be baseball-related stuff. Oh, no. no. Oh, we can talk baseball. You want to talk baseball. I we do can not. talk baseball. Certainly well, don't. You should not I'm... be bringing it up. It, it got brought up today in the office between him and another developer, and all I could do was sit there. and I had uh, gotten a delivery, so I had those airbags in there. I just started popping those, trying to get him to <laughs> shut up. Yeah, you know... Eric, behind you, you have a some kind of fancy little display that just keeps showing times can't, and dates. And what is what is this little toy you've got can't now? Can't imagine what you're talking about. People who listen to the podcast will know no ideas. But now that you mention it, yes, I have a couple of toys here. I, I'm I'm such a geek on the, about this stuff. Um, we know this. Yeah, you you so give them, here, you give them a little Amazon budget and it's like gone in a second. This here is called uh, Lametric, and uh, it's a little smart device that you can attach and have it show. So right now it's showing you different cryptocurrencies uh, and where they're rating. <laughs> um, we have uh, so it's, these, it's these, like a physical form of ennui. This is uh these are the number of subscribers to our YouTube channel. So, you know, you, you should go and subscribe and you can watch this number go up and uh there's there's other stuff, the, the current temperature. Um just just fun things. It just kind of cycles through a bunch of uh a bunch of stuff. It cycles a little too. Can fast. it track can it track money lost due to conversations about baseball? Then I got this little thing for for no better reason because I wanted to see what it is, and John has agreed to uh, he's agreed to wear it to a conference, but um, it's a see if I can get it to do something now. It's a for the smart... for the listeners. It's a cock ring that's also a camera. My goodness, no! It's a uh, it's a smart badge. So you know how you wear like badges at conferences conferences this one you can load up with gifts and other things so how much was that PHP it, it, yeah it was you know it was it was a couple dollars i wouldn't how, buy how, it again how much so it's I smarter than you it. yeah but uh <laughs> it'll be yeah. a good he brought up a good point it'll be a good conversation starter you go to a conference and it's cycling through things and 
you know, people ask, what is that? Or what's a device? The conversation, or, of course, was there? who would pay that much for that? <laughs> it wasn't that much. But yes, it was. was it less it was than a, 50 Less than $50? No, it wasn't, wasn't less than $50. Yeah, no, that's too much. Yeah, it was probably too much. For, for that little device, it was probably too much. The, this uh, Lometric thing, um, I, it wasn't actually, it wasn't much more than the badge. And I actually, just because the internet is always listening, um, on my Reddit stream, there, an open source version of that uh, came out. Which is like fifty bucks, but it's it's a much smaller oh, screen. But two hundred dollars? What are you talking about? The Lametric? Was it that much? I don't remember. John <laughs> paid for it. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I don't think it was. You that know, much. you could have bought a Chromebook. You could have bought no, a Chromebook. This is a, a much higher resolution display. Okay, the show is not about what did Eric spend the company's money on, okay? The, this is not about why is there no profit sharing this year, okay? That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> no. If, if you're interested in my little geek things that I purchased, I'm happy to share them. But jeez, man. Don't, uh, don't finance shame me. Jeez. All right. So I want to talk some coding because I, I I had a weird series of events happen, and uh, I have to give some credit where credits due. I'm going to give credit to something that I never thought I'd give credit to, and I, I'm going to give credit to somebody who I seem to give credit to a lot. And the next time I run into this person, I will be buying them dinner. John, could your could your window stop? Changing size, please. With, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sitting here watching. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I haven't even. I mean, I haven't even touched that. I'm not even on the OBS machine. It's just bouncing back. I wonder if I take the uh, take the uh, focus oh. off your. Let's see if that. Nope. nope that didn't change. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to draw any attention to it because, again, most people are audio listeners, not video list watchers. So. Carry on. Yeah. Who are you gonna buy? John, John's having John's having some performance issues. Okay, I'll I'll get to that. But let, let's start. Let me let me try to make sense of of everything that happened. So I watch. I, I, I'm I'm a fan of development. I mean, I it's been a common theme about because it just so happened that. Uh, for the project we we're working on, there was a big piece of it that a lot of developers were having trouble getting their head around um it really centered around permissions and they you know they were they were having a, they were struggling understanding the architecture around the permissions and so basically they said hey can you code this piece and i said yeah and it just just you know re-energized me as much as how much i love coding ironically enough uh, eric burns posted on twitter uh, I think it was earlier this week about, you know, hey, if you love coding, don't own your own business because you won't code. You know, don't own a don't own a coding group because you won't code. I um, I if, hate those. I hate those. He's don't not do it because wrong though. But he's, he's not, not wrong. He's not wrong. But you you're not coding because you choose to focus on other things in the business that you find more important. 
I, I hate blog posts that say, you can't do this. Anytime I see a blog post where they're just saying, this is the wrong way to live your life, I feel like, well, I'm glad you figured that out, but you need to no, put that more he, as a missive than as a... No, that's not what he was saying. He was saying that if you think having a development group and owning a development group is going to afford you to just focus on development, you're sadly mistaken. Oh, yeah, no, you're an idiot so... if you think that. Because there's so much involved with running a business <laughs> that you find yourself, and this is the position I have, I find myself in, is I can't assign myself code because I don't know how much time I'm going to have to code. And it's, I, have, I have these little blocks of time where I can code, and I can't have the team dependent on me to finish something. Okay, but what about I, something like Mission Control? Okay, but that's okay. We, I mean, we can get into that. I mean, yeah, what about because mission, mission you have mission. You guys own mission control as as so, an asset of, or your partners as an asset so, of Diego Dev. So you so could again, at any point just go mission, to mission control and work on it, right? And that's different, right? Because mission control is something that we don't have clients and timelines looming over us. So that's exactly what happens. I go to mission control and I work on that code base. I have a couple other projects that I go and work on that are all internal to Diego Dev. We don't have clients pushing us for timelines. We don't have other developers who are dependent on my piece being done for them to do their piece. Yeah. That's kind of the point, right? So if I had it my way, I would work on mission control five days a week, right? I mean, that would be what I coded all week long. But I don't have time to do that. I, again, have blocks where, you know, I can break away from what I'm doing in this project to work on this project, okay? So that that's the point he was making, is if, if, if you really love coding and coding is the only thing you want to do, then be happy working for somebody as a coder, you know? I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. You, you make good money, you know, you, you, you can be focused on coding and, and life is good. I, I, that was kind of the point of the tweet, and, and I agree with him. I think he's he's right. But you're you're taking me way off track from where I was going. <laughs> you don't say. So, again, hi, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Tom Rideout. I'm a fan of development through and through. I mean, I have developers who I follow and watch just to watch them code. John is actually one of them. I love watching John debug stuff. Put John in a code base that he's never seen. Tell him a problem that it's having and just watch him go, and it's fascinating. I honestly, legitimately enjoy it. Just as much as I enjoy watching baseball, I enjoy watching good developers code. Another developer that I I watch on YouTube, and I just watch this guy code, is uh, George Hotz. Um, I don't know. You might be familiar with who George Hotz is, Thomas? Geohot. Yep, that's the guy. So he was Geohot, for those who don't know, is the, the guy who created the original jailbreak for the iPhone. Yep. And uh, he was also famous for the fact that Sony tried to sue him for uh, cracking the PlayStation. Yes, and he beat the ever-living shit out of him. Yeah. He's, uh, he, he, I mean, he's definitely got, like, Asperger's or something. He, he's on some spectrum, <laughs> but the guy is an absolute fanatical developer uh yeah he, and he's a, he's a legend i mean his yeah. his capabilities are 
are unmatched. Um, he, what he had done with the PlayStation was defeat the firmware that checked for the security certificate on games uh, so that he could sideload anything he wanted to. And he was able to do this through a USB device. He was able to do this without physical interaction with the hardware outside of plugging a USB key in. Uh, he's absolutely legendary. And, and I mean, his, the way his brain worked is is just fascinating. He until recently, um, watching his stream, I guess he's not part of uh, Kama anymore. But he he was actually uh, running the development group around some essentially anybody with a cell phone, you know, being able to plug your cell phone into your car and having a self driving car. Uh, it was fascinating <laughs> stuff what he was doing. It was it was it was actually absolutely mind blowing. I mean, his idea, his philosophy was, you know, you have Teslas who do a crappy job of self driving cars at a price point that you know the majority of, of of people in the U.S. or the majority of the people in the world can't afford. Self driving cars need to be cheaper and they need to be better than what they what they're implemented now. But that's yeah, not and- what his that's not what his stream was about. His stream was, he, well, that would be it sometimes, but a lot of times it was him just trying to solve these like puzzles, like these, these, you know, philosophies or theories, theory, theories that were out there, these math puzzles, and he, you know, he does it all in Python. He does it all with a Vim terminal, and my God, watching this guy code is just like, just hearing him tap on his keys and just. Just had me missing Vim. I mean, had me missing Vim, like big time, to the point where I'm like, I started, I started dialing in my Vim uh, RC file again because it had been so long since I'd actually worked in Vim. Uh, but uh, so that actually led led me to, um, well, okay, so credit where credits due. Okay, so Michael Dorinda. Who is uh, one of the, people the show? I I owe a lot of credit to this week. Uh, this is this was a minor thing. Um, I heard him mention on on one of his shows, his podcast, that he he had stumbled across a new Vim command. He uses Vim. I think he actually uses Vim Vim too. Um, uh, new Vim command Control O. Now, if, if you don't understand Vim. The whole thing with Vim is you don't use your mouse. Everything's keyboard driven. There's there's all these. Uh, I, I mean, it's almost poetry when when you code in Vim. You know, your your hand, your fingers almost dance on the keyboard because there's all these uh, key combinations and how you do things, and it's really a different way of of coding. And if you've been a long time Vim coder, it's very hard to understand how people don't code in Vim. Um, and I'm one of those guys. Like I, I can't use any editors. And I know John's with me on this. I can't use editors if I can't at least have a Vim plugin. Now the big mistake I made when I when I was just all Vim all the time is I had a super customized version of of uh, implementation of Vim. So that's the thing is like you you mold Vim to you. So whatever key combinations feel right for you. And, you know, there are plugins you can put. And I had over-customized my Vim implementation. And where that kind of bit me in the ass 
is when I started using these other editors that had Vim plugins, like so much of it didn't work for me because my 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 muscle memory wanted to do other things and they just didn't work in these Vim editors. I had to really start to scale back to you know my basic Vim skills before I could start appreciating some of these plugins. But um, Michael Dorinda talked about this new command called Control O. And essentially what it, what Control O does is Vim has two two main modes, insert mode and normal mode. Insert mode is just what it sounds like. That's how you type things into into your terminal. Normal mode is where you move around in. And you're either in one or the other. Well, with control O, what happens is you can be in insert mode, you hit control O, and then you can throw down a key combination to perform an action. It performs that action and then puts you back into insert mode. It doesn't sound like it's all that much, but if you're a Vim person, that's super helpful because I'll, I'll constantly find myself typing. I'm like, oh, shoot, I wanted to delete that word before I typed. So now I just hit control O, DW, and then boom, the word's gone and I'm back in insert mode. It's real helpful. And to kind of continue down the whole giving credit where credit is due, and, the th and this is where I never thought I would act give credit to something. Um, so, P so PHP Storm, which is the editor I've been using of late, uh, has a Vim plugin, which is very feature complete. Uh, it's one of the better Vim plugins on editors I've seen. And to my delight, Control-O works in PHP Storm. Oh, really? I was super excited. Yeah, super oh. excited to find this out. But... To kind of carry on with PHP Storm, I have been a long time, um, not opponent of PHP Storm, but I, I've been vocal in the fact that I felt that PHP Storm made you a weaker developer. And I still kind of stand behind that because... I don't disagree at all. That's <clears throat> I find myself leaning on it like a crutch so often. Right? I mean, after using PHP Storm... I like like simple things like including you statements. It's like oh you know you forget that the IDE is doing that for you, you know, or or how you how you get around. So that hasn't been my issue. My my issue is navigation, control clicking on a method or a property, and having it take you to the definition of that method or property uh, is just been. It's how I code now. I code. It's magical, right? Yeah. I code I code waiting for it to autofill from my helper file. Mm -hmm. Where I'm like, what was this called? Is scene something, scene underscore, and was it this one or this one or this one or this one? or the, uh, It's this one. It's the, I, And then now with, with implementing stricter typing on my code, it mm -hmm. pops up and says, hey, you specified something here that's not going to get pulled correctly. You need to specify the right type of object here. And I'm like, oh, right, right. <laughs> Right, which is a double-edged sword. Yeah, it's a crutch, but as long as I have the crutch, I'm good. Right, and that's that's the thing. I mean, it's there, not, there's it's nothing not that's weaker. It's it's using the tools that it's are at your disposal. No, it's weaker though because it's it's the for a for a seasoned developer, it's it's a crutch <laughs> for a. And he's saying seasoned like an iron pan is a cast iron pan is seasoned, where it's just, yeah, yeah this is for, the tool you use despite an air fryer existing. 
Right. You know, it's a crutch for a seasoned developer, for a, for a you know, underclassman developer. It's ignorance because they'll never learn. It, yeah, it could they'll really, never it learn could really why hinder. That's there. It could so, really hinder, and I think the issue, the place where it really would hinder a, a beginner developer is trying to transition to a different language, where certain things don't get taken care of for you. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that, or a different editor where it doesn't take care of care of it, and all of a sudden you realize, hey, wait a minute, you know, why doesn't this work? But I have but, to say, having done all of this work in React lately, it has made learning. A good IDE has made learning React and GraphQL easier because the IDE understands GraphQL and understands what I've imported in JavaScript and React. And it, it says, hey, this object here can't take that type of thing. And I, I go, okay, why? And I pull up the documentation and look into it more. But before I run into an error that just says literal garbage on the screen, it just says can't compile, here's a billion things that went wrong. Before that happens, my IDE says, you should look at this documentation page because this has an explanation of why what you did is wrong. And that's where I really appreciate PHP Storm is that it can it can describe the problem exactly where the problem is going to occur before it actually occurs, and you can learn from it while you're coding instead of while it's compiling. Mm-hmm. So... I, I understand what you're saying is that as a beginner developer, it could really hinder you. But as a beginner developer, it'll also prevent a lot of mistakes that are just going to eat time. You know, uh, I think Thomas just took both sides of the argument in the past five minutes. (laughs) In PHP, if you don't have a, a closing semicolon, then PHP will error out eventually, like five or six lines after where the semicolon should be. It'll say, okay, I was expecting a semicolon and we took way too long to get there. But in your editor, you've got your coding standards applied to it and it's going to say right here is where a semicolon goes. So you're either missing a semicolon or you're breaking the coding standards. And that helps tighten things up for learners a bit, I think. But then there is there are other use cases where it's, it's auto-including use and it's auto-including... Uh, some mapping, or it reads your uh, your auto loader and knows that stuff's going to get auto loaded or not auto loaded. I mean, PHP developers now, new PHP developers now, won't understand the magic that the auto loader is doing from Composer, yeah. because we wrote we wrote PHP in the day where you couldn't just say use this file; you had to also include the file you were going to use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, and. But is that a dead skill now? Is that just a skill that doesn't matter? Should be. But Composer <laughs> is not part of the PHP project. The autoloader is. And so should you, if you want to rely on autoloading, should you know how You're the autoloader works? I'm not even talking about I'm trying to get through a story about the I'm PHP a great, story. Well, you should get to your story faster and stop teasing me like this. <laughs> Holy crap. Stop teasing you. You took both sides. You like changed your mind halfway through your You're you're arguing with yourself, man. Well that's uh that's a good point, Eric. I'm gonna counterpoint your point with this point. Don't go anywhere, Thomas! Oh, we hurt his feelings. He's just going Thomas, for a, he's going for another beer. Thomas walked away. Oh man. Jeez. Uh...
What are you I doing hate it when to us? That was his feelings. Anyways, I'm gonna finish my story. So, uh, so PHP Storm, please do because you rare... still haven't gotten to. You're gonna buy somebody dinner, and we're like 30 minutes into the story, and we still don't know who you're gonna buy dinner for. Well, it's not it's not this story that has this person getting dinner. It's it's a whole nother story. So that, this is like a sub query of the original query. No, no. Well. I, I started buying by dinner saying for? I, I give credit where credit is due. So and you, you want to buy somebody thing, dinner? I'm is going it to me? get to that story. I'm going to get to that story. I, just I told you I had a whole show here. All you have to do is sit back and relax. Okay, so real fast. I'm going to try to wrap this up real quick. PHP Storm almost never teaches me anything new. Occasionally it'll say, hey, you need some dot blocks here. Hey, you don't need double quotes. You can use single quotes. I'm appreciative of this information, but it rarely teaches me anything new. For the first time ever, it taught me something new. It taught me, it showed me where I could, it actually walked me through using the uh, null coalescing operator. A null coalescing operator. Yes. Null coalescing and, operator. Yeah. And... I, I remember it come it come out in one of these seven releases. I don't think it was seven no, but it was one of the seven releases it came out. And I'm like I remember reading about it, I'm like, okay, that could be helpful. Uh whatever. And for the first time I I had written out this if statement and with you know, not null and PHP Storm slowly walked me through and said, Hey, you can optimize this statement by you know doing this and doing this and then the final, the final thing it said is, "Hey, you can op- optimize this statement by using no call lesson operator." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" And it, it, it went from doing like a three line uh, if statement to a one line if statement to a parameter in a database insert. And it was just like, "Oh, what?" Um, it just so PHP Storm. I give you a hard time about making developers weaker, but this was an exception to that rule. I appreciate the fact that you led me down this row, road and taught me no lesson operating. Very helpful that story, command. That story was fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been over like 20 minutes ago had you not gone down whatever rabbit hole you went down. But <laughs> All you had to do, all you had to do, was not talk on your own podcast, and it would have been a smooth sailing. <laughs> all right, so I have I have another big story, but I think it's going to. Who up the are rest you of buying time. dinner for? I'm buying. You started dinner that for... conversation about buying somebody dinner because you appreciated something, and <laughs> he he owes both of us dinner now, and probably a couple listeners. <laughs> You guys are so mean to me. Why do I sit here and, and do this? I learned it from um, you, Dad. Uh, man, I, it looks like I even forgot to put the link on here. I meant to put the link on here. Anyways, I had to meet with uh, a client and some patent lawyers this week. Um, ooh, ooh. This was a very interesting... Um, experience for me. So for now, the first is this time, your first patent lawyer meeting? Yep. So, so, so this is the first time I've ever kind of done this sort of had this sort of conversation. I did one of these before, and it is rough. It was super rough. I was uh, I was explaining it to John. 
Um, so I, 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 I get what the client's doing. I, I can appreciate it, especially after the lawyer was kind of explaining it. And I understand, you know, what the client was going for. Um, but some in- interesting things came up and like, there were some very uncomfortable times in the meeting. One of the biggest things that came up that clearly the lawyer wasn't aware of was that we weren't working we weren't the same company that our client was that the client was contracting with us to build their product that became very uncomfortable and the lawyer almost asked me to leave the meeting i mean even to Not the point surprising. where he he wouldn't share certain documents with me um which I, which I was fine with. Now, you know, all of us are pretty open source, open sourcey people, right? That, that's and, what uh, I was going to ask because when I did this, I walked in the meeting and I told the lawyer first of all, I fundamentally disagree with software patents. However, mm-hmm. in my role as an employee, I am here to support the development of a software patent. If you feel like my opinion is out of place, you're going to have to let me know so that I can adjust to the business environment of this kind of thing, opposing my moral position. How did that work out for you? It worked out fine. I mean, I I basically just said, hey, if I say something that isn't in the business's interest because I think it's morally the right position, you have to say clearly to me that is a moral position and does not apply to this conversation. Okay. I, I, I didn't and that, even, that was what we got honest, to, basically. I, honestly, I, I would have felt that I would have been overstepping the line if I had... So, I wasn't there to inject any of my opinions or beliefs. This was, clear, this was strictly between my client and this lawyer. I was there just as a source of information. So... Nobody asked my opinion as far as whether they thought they should be pursuing this, and that was perfectly fine with me. So I, um, I have to preface every conversation I have with, you understand that this is about me. <laughs> <laughs> Where things got really, really... So that was the first time things got awkward. Um, then things got even more awkward when I told them. I'm like, well, listen, uh, you know, the the products we're currently building for them, the products we're, we're currently maintaining for them, like 98% of this stuff is built on open source. It's built on PHP, which is open source, MySQL, which is open source, running on Nginx, which is open source. Uh, the, the new stuff is using frameworks that are open source, Laravel frameworks, which use packages that are open source. Patent lawyers... Yeah, they don't like that. Freaking hate that word. And... Um, you know, it was even brought up, it's like, how difficult would it be to redo what you've done without using the open source components? It's literally like, not yeah, possible. No, we're not, your your client does not want to pay for that, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it, it, it was crazy. So then, the um, there was like this sense of frustration from the lawyer uh, when he asked me what licenses were used. And I'm like, well... I can give you the high-level licenses, but you know we we now use Composer and npm install, and we're installing these packages that install dependencies. That so I can't tell you all the licenses that are being used. I would have to do some some research on that. 
He's like, you have to know the licenses. I'm like, okay, I can get you the licenses. I just can't sit here and recite them to you. I can. You know, I'm, I'm, Apache MIT GPL 2. Well, nope, there are That's... more licenses than that. But well, I the the point was what what components were using which licenses, and that's what I told him. I'm like the majority of the components use MIT, from Laravel to a lot of the packages that that are included are MIT licenses. Uh, there's some Apache, and there's actually a few other people in there. This is where I owe somebody dinner. So I come back from this meeting because I I had promised my client. I'm like I'll get you a list of. All the licenses we're using in the new product. So I come back and I think to myself, this won't be that difficult. I'll write a script that will go through my composer file. Uh, packages has API endpoints. I'll hit those API endpoints. I'll get the license and I'll create a create a list. Isn't it? I in got the that lock done. File? Not the lock file, just the composer JSON. I got I got all that done in about an hour. So the so, first, the, so the composer, first layer. Composer don't licenses. do it! Don't do. Why do I bother? Why do I bother having this fucking conversation, man? So, anyways, I get through it with the script. I'll, and I'll edit that out. No, don't edit it out because you already fucked it up. So you know, whatever. I I, uh, I get through the script in about an hour, and I got the first layer done. Right now, I got to figure out how to do dependencies. And I got to figure out how to do npm packages. And just out of pure coincidence, just out of pure luck, I happen to be talking to again friend of the show, Michael Dorinda, who we've already mentioned in the show. I'm talking to him on Telegram. I'm like, hey, you know, am I crazy for writing a script, uh, or do you know a better way of doing it? And sure enough, he comes back with a package, and then a couple seconds later, he's like. Hey, you don't even have to use that package for Composer. Composer has a function in it called Composer Licenses that generates all the licenses that you're using, including all the dependencies. I'm like, I mean, that was fantastic. So I wasted about an hour, hour and a half coding, but that was fine. So then, then of course, I tell him, I'm like, do you have anything for NPM? And sure enough, he comes back with NPM License Crawler, which is just a global install you do. And... It essentially does the same thing. But, yeah, so Michael Dorinda is the person I'm going to buy dinner the next time I see him. Just because he's always there giving helpful information. He's always there when I need to, you know, bounce something off somebody. Michael, he, he owes you dinner and, like, five or ten drinks. Because this was a 50-minute conversation. Just to get the fact that you were going to dinner with him. All right, fuck you guys. You guys can finish <laughs> up the show now. He's so he's so angry. Oh, I'm so you have you don't even you don't even know where to start on how pissed off I am right now. So why are you so pissed off? Why are you so pissed off? You're finishing up the show. <laughs> why are you so mad? I don't get it. I honestly don't. I'll, I'll be. <laughs> it's it's been one of those episodes. We have all. Thrown off our headphones in Assholes. anger this episode. Uh, I can't say I threw mine off in anger. I threw mine off in copying. It was mock anger. <laughs> sure. Eric. Eric. Thomas, please, finish. I love you. You, you. you have plenty to say. Finish the show, babe. Eric, I love you.
You've been listening to episode 174 of PHP Ugly. That's not the number. The final episode. One, one, 147. <laughs> I said 174. <laughs> the next episode, John and I will be dead and Eric will be on the lamb. Why is he going to be on a lamb? That's kind of weird. It's really a personal uh-huh. preference thing. Well, yeah, so uh, I think... Uh, you know who else is really upset today? <laughs> Julian Assange. Good good transition there. Thank you. I told you Do- earlier, I, I, I don't think this is newsworthy. The guy gets arrested all the time. He has been living in the embassy for seven years now. He right. This is his first arrest in the last seven years. Um, yeah, he he got arrested, and he's being uh, extradited to America. And I guess we're going to put the crazy guy who looks like Frodo stole the ring from him uh, on trial. But... That's just the beginning of doom and gloom. I guess so torn on that one. Between should he be treated like the media or treated like a traitor? It's I uh, know he's a traitor. Th- you think he's a tra- why do you think he's a traitor? Uh he scheduled the release of documents for the purpose of political influence as opposed for the freedom of information. Mm. So he he has managed, edited, and released on a schedule so that the information that he releases and makes public has the impact he wants it to have as opposed to the fact that it's just free information. He is not... He Originally, WikiLeaks was defined as just a dumping spot. You could take any file and just dump it on WikiLeaks and it would be published. He took that as some kind of personal empowerment and started to audit and control what was released on WikiLeaks and eventually turned into a an underground political influence instead of just an altruistic person. Mm-hmm. Uh, he He's clearly not altruistic. Yeah, I was hearing on NPR today that he actually encouraged people to get jobs at places like the CIA to steal documentation or to help him get access to their servers or their the data they had. And really? and WikiLeaks was supposed to be was was I guess the idea was to release information from all governments but it primarily targets the US. Yeah, it it targets the US. It favors the current administration and when you submit something to him, you're not supposed to expect it to get released in the form that you sent it to him he is an editor so there's people like edward snowden who i think is a hero but then there's somebody like julian assange who i think was a hero and was corrupted by the power that he was given so but What's not bullshit, we talked about earlier, uh, GeoHot made a lot of progress in defining 
the ownership rights of people who've purchased devices like the iPhone, like the PlayStation 4. But there's still a lot of unknowns about the world of software. When you purchase software, you're actually just licensing it. You don't really own it anymore. Um, <clears throat> I think maybe WinRAR, you might own it when you purchase it, but no one ever has, so there's no way to find out. Um, but Microsoft has announced that they're shutting down their ebook library. And as a result, they will be recalling rights to all of the books anyone has purchased through that system. Uh, the upside of the whole story is that they are reimbursing people for the books that they've, they're having taken away from them. But the downside is this is just another example of depending on a system that isn't going to be around forever, investing your money in it, and then having it <clears throat> just retract rights away from you all over again. Interesting. Any any thoughts, Eric? You still steaming? Yeah. Uh, any, any, any opinion on the Stack Overflow survey? Do we care about this? We were asked about it. I don't know. That's why I was. I wanted to try to make some time to talk about it. I hadn't looked at it yet, but I, I stopped caring about these surveys so much. But Stack Overflow is, is probably one of the better ones to pay attention to because, uh, well, I thought because of the diversity, but I guess it's not as diverse as I thought it was. <laughs> nope, <laughs> it is not when you're look, looking through it. Uh, well, to uh, me, Stack Overflow almost looks finished. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like every question has an answer that is considered the definitive answer until the next version of something comes out. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people that contribute to these surveys are developers that create content on Stack Overflow. So when it says the current hot language is Rust... That's because that's the currently least documented language to resolve problems on. So the people replying to your survey are going to be Rust developers because that's where they get all their Stack Overflow points. Interesting. Uh, I, I love the Stack Overflow survey, but I think it's so biased in, in regards to its audience that there's no valid data to actually get out of it that isn't just common sense. Um, there's, I mean, there's, yeah, common sense. Like, I'm still shocked that such a high percentage is white male. I mean, I know that it is, but the fact that it's just confirmed, you would think things are changing there. But I don't understand why questions are asked like sexual orientation. What does that have to do with development? Right. And and I, I can't. I, I I hate the fact that the that they the bulk together JavaScript with other languages because it even even the framework. So if you look at if you look at the programming language, JavaScript's number one because everybody who does anything in any language does that language in JavaScript. I mean, that's just the way it is. The same thing with the web frameworks. It's like they have jQuery, React, Angular are the top three web frameworks. That's because those are running in other frameworks half the time. You got Vue.js on there, Express is on there. Look at that. 
I mean, there are all these JavaScript frameworks is because they're running inside of, well, I mean, not always exclusively inside of a, another framework, but they run in, in Flash, they run in Laravel, they run in Ruby on Rails. And so the fact that they, 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 they lump these two things together is frustrating. I'm actually, I am surprised to see that Flask looks like it, it has more, uh, more people using it than Laravel, which really, I mean, I guess Flask is a, a fairly minimum framework for Python developers and Python is a very, a very popular language. Um, so maybe it doesn't surprise me as much as I initially thought it did, but yeah. No real surprises, though, like you said. What is Panda? Well, primary operating system being Windows, 45% of uh, develop, professional developers. That was kind of shocking. Oh, not just shocking, but also horseshit. Mm. There's, there's what, no way that that you... is an accurate reflection in any way of the actual number of, of users. I work in an environment where people can choose their operating system and it's mac and linux only ever there's never ever ever been a single windows machine and i've never even i've worked in one environment that was a windows environment and i moved to linux as fast as possible on it but well you don't think that you don't think that they're they're saying that their their development machines are windows though that's what we're I talking mean, about. It's not. It's not very clear what yeah, they're asking. Even even a development even a development machine shouldn't be Windows. No, I I, I tell you, in enterprise, it's Windows. Yeah, that, that 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 doesn't shock me. I mean, if if they're saying if they're including your development machine, and not environments you're deployed on. No, it's pro- th- these it, are, it's developers' primary operating system. So whatever you're using sure. to develop. But then if you look at the developer roles, it's a 51% are full-stack developer, 50% are back-end, 32% are front-end. I mean, just the first three results don't add up, so that's a multiple choice. Are you a back-end developer, a front-end developer, a full-stack developer? If you're a back-end and front-end, you're a full-stack developer. That that should equal 100% total. Mm. And it doesn't. I mean, I just... it's fun numbers to look at, but I, honest to God, Pornhub does a better job of breaking down analytics than Stack Overflow does. <laughs> oh, here we are. Most popular development environment, Visual Studio Code. What? That's not too surprising. Vim is up there. Vim is... Wait, I must be missing something. Vim is, Vim is more than PHP Storm or PyCharm? What? That's a little surprising. I didn't realize there were still that many people using them. But, but let's say let's say that you were in a business that had to make business decisions based off of this information. Would you trust it in the slightest bit to make a business decision? Well, if you well wait, when you read underneath, a popular choice for DevOps and SREs is Vim. So mm-hmm. even though we're looking at web developers, which DevOps. Right, that's that. That is the other thing. We're looking at a narrow, narrow scope that includes literally every job that touches a computer, because they have Stack Overflow for Excel. 
How yeah. are organizations using blockchain technology? 80% not at all. Non-currency applications are 12.7%. Wow. <laughs> See, that's not true. That, that There are not 20% of companies using the blockchain right now. That's, that's bizarro land. <laughs> I, do you know how... Do you know Steam, the uh, video game platform sure steam has a hardware survey for what hardware you're using and it's a thing that executes on your computer that's what i would like to see where you just give stack overflow your github link and it determines everything from there where it's like here's all your includes here's the stuff you actually work with here's the stuff you just use don't just ask the questions because people are not going to give you straight answers. I people who really want to be involved in blockchain are going to lie and say, "Oh yeah, dude, every day, totally, all the time." So, do I need to give Stack Overflow access to my camera so it can determine my race and gender and sexual orientation? No, I just just wait for Facebook to buy it. <laughs> Wow, and it's like so much, it's, so much here. It's like a five hundred page questionnaire too. I, I don't know who answers all these questions. Right? Who's going to go through this crap? It's a twenty minute survey. Wow, there's so much information here. Yeah, I mean, in you, the day, I don't, I don't know what it really does for anybody. I yeah, I I saw it. And I included it as a ticket. Oh, wait a minute. And I'm like, this is this wait is not minute. useful information. John? John, maybe we should be taking adding more credit to this survey than we thought. Look at what we should be paying uh, back-end developers. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think we need to have a talk with our team. Oh, never mind. All right, don't ladies click, and gentlemen, this has been episode 147 you of PHP Ugly. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't, I didn't switch over to the United States, so don't don't do that. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. That's a big disparity. It, that's a huge disparity. This is why this is why PHP gets off offshored all the time because of that. I mean, it's 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 fifty percent, man. It's oh man, that is insane. That's Wait, insane. I'm, I'm getting I'm getting paid less than an educator. Uh, oh, scientists. Uh, I'm getting paid less than an academic researcher. That's hmm. weird. Wow. Okay, so I need to I need to ask for a raise. Wow, 25,000 respondents. Yeah, that's like I said, just seeing how much other full stack developers are getting paid makes me know that this is bullshit. <laughs> Cuz it's I mean I was working in San Diego and didn't get anywhere close to this. And San Diego is like the third highest in the nation for salaries. Mhm. All right. Yeah. Uh, should we be wrapping it up? I feel like I feel like we should be at time. We, we should. We haven't thanked our patrons yet. We should well, probably do that. I mean, this came out a couple weeks ago. Got one more thing. Just 
if you're running Apache or if you're in a shared environment, make sure oh, yeah. make sure Apache's updated because if somebody can get a a file onto your web server, they could also have root access to it. So if you're in a shared environment, it's even worse because you don't know what other people are doing in that environment. If you're in a shared environment, just stop it. What are you doing? Who's I know, yeah. Like, yeah, why are you still in the shared environment first of all? That's it, there are most developers I know, most new developers wouldn't even know what a shared environment was, and when you described it to them, they'd be like, Oh, like a dorm room? Yeah, like you you say that, but there's so many people like my stepdad who should know better still uses shared hosting. But he I mean he's doing it on mind boggling. He's not doing it professionally. It's a hobby site that he does. But I guess just because it's so damn cheap to throw your site on a on a shared host. Or a dropler for like a dollar fifty a month. Yeah. Or a droplet. What's it what's the name of that company? DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean. Yeah, but then you have to know how to maintain a server. You have to know how to spin one up, how to have Apache installed. You know, I don't think these... you do anymore. I think they have managed droplets now. Yeah. No, they don't. The shared hosts, you FTP your files up and you're done. So that's that's a hard one. I If you are on a shared host, seriously look at it and make sure they're updated. Hopefully if it's a big company, they are. But there is a, a <laughs> vulnerability. There were actually two that came out. But this one was more critical. All right. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you all to our Patreons. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, this has been episode 147. If you can believe it, we're three episodes away from 150. My name is Tom Rideout. I'm Eric Van Johnson. He is pissed off Eric Van Johnson. Not just Eric Van Johnson. I'm John Congdon. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly.